Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. I'm Nancy. And I'm Matthew. And this is the second episode of our brand new podcast. Each week we are talking about movies. Um, There was a Facebook challenge where you select 10 movies that were important to you for one reason or another. And each week we're going to be discussing one movie that appeared on each of those lists. First of all, we'd like to thank all of our listeners who listened to our first podcast. And um, it was uh, really encouraging, a lot of the comments that we got. And we're really excited to continue doing this. Uh, Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram under Fighting Over the VCR. Um, We have a YouTube channel where you can also listen to our podcast um, under Fighting Over the VCR. And please subscribe to that. We are on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and soon to be on Google Play. Matt's going to go over his movie first, but I just want to acknowledge that the movie I'll be talking about later in the podcast is Grease 2. What movie are you going to be talking about today, Matt? I'm going to be talking about a movie that came out in 1999. So it's not necessarily a movie that I grew up as a kid watching. It was more of a movie that kind of influenced me. Now, one thing that was about the Facebook challenge was it was movies that influenced you in some sort of way or really inspired you. And this is one that um, came out when I was older. You know, I was in college. And um, when it came out, I was really um, inspired by it and moved by it. And I really kind of got into the look and the feel and everything about it. And the movie is The Matrix. Now, before I get started, I'd like to acknowledge that um, we have a, a kind of a guest here. He's more of our mascot, my cat Mulder, named after Fox Mulder from the <laughs> X-Files. Um, you might hear him purr or meow. Um, he has a lot of opinions. So, he sure does. you know, he might want to interject and interrupt. But um, back to the movie. Uh, so The Matrix came out in 1999. And um, for those of you who are new to this podcast, we will be giving up spoilers. We're going to talk about the movies somewhat in depth about some of the details and some of the concepts of the movies, and we'll probably give away the ending or something like that. So if you have not seen The Matrix or... Grease 2. Grease 2. Yes, Grease 2. Yes. Okay. (laughs) If you have not seen either of those movies, be prepared to have them somewhat spoiled. Yeah. Um, So, but to give you kind of a basic idea what The Matrix is, well, what is The Matrix? That's the whole thing and, you know, concept of the movie. Um, Stars Keanu Reeves as Neo, who is the main character, and he is a computer engineer by day and hacker by night, and he's troubled by this question in his life of what is the matrix and um eventually he uh he meets a woman named trinity who is also a hacker played by uh carrie ann moss and then um she introduces him to morpheus played amazingly by Lawrence fishburne and they offer to tell him what the matrix is and they can't just tell him, though. They have to show him. And then it gets kind of crazy. They they take him in a car to this hotel, 
they give him a pill, he takes this pill, he passes out, and then all of a sudden wakes up in this liquid pod where he bursts out of the pod and he's got all these wires and cables all hooked up to him. And then they come and they take they unhook him and they take him into their ship to tell him what the Matrix is. And this is where it gets kind of like goofy in a really kind of cool sense that I really like. Basically, the Matrix is a way to control human beings. Now, that sounds really far-fetched and kind of crazy, but here's the deal. Early in the 21st century, which would be about now, um, humans created artificial intelligence, and they probably named it like Alexa or Siri or Cortana or something like exactly. that. Anyway, um, and over time, the machines that are using this artificial intelligence start taking over, and the humans have to start fighting back, and they decide that because all the machines are powered by solar power to black out the sky, so thinking, oh, that's going to save the human race, well, then the machines, because they're smarter than the humans, decide that the humans are a great source of energy, put them all in these pods, use them as batteries, and in order to fool them throughout their entire lives as being a battery, they create the Matrix, which is this dream world that all humans now live in. And they're plugged in through their brain in their brain with these big cables and all this kind of stuff. Humans in what year? It's not nineteen ninety nine. Now it's actually they think twenty one ninety nine. Yeah. They aren't really sure because yeah. they wake up and who knows how far into the future yeah. it is. So, um, and then the rest of the movie is how are they going to deal with the Matrix? Neo is now out of the Matrix and. One of the cool things that I really kind of thought was neat about this movie is how they interact with the Matrix is they get in like a little chair and they can like get put a new plug back into their brain and they hack into the Matrix and now they can interact with the Matrix and they do this cool thing where they can like put a like a program into, you know, the computer and program their brain so all of a sudden they know all these martial arts and how to fly a plane and all this kind of cool stuff. The movie goes on and there's this plot about how Neo is the one who, you know, Neo and then rearrange the letters it's one can um save all humanity. So Morpheus is, that's the reason why Morpheus has helped drag him out of the Matrix. And um, he thinks that he is going to be the savior, so he's prepping him to save the human race. And then as time goes on, they go into the Matrix and Morpheus gets kidnapped by the by the machine world in the Matrix. And Neo and Trinity have to go in and save him. And there's all these amazing martial arts battles and gunplay and all this cool stuff. And it's a fun sci-fi action movie that has a really great look. It's some of the filmmaking in it was really groundbreaking at the time. Things that happened after, you know, movies that came out after it have really kind of taken from what the matrix was doing, you know, personally, a lot of the look and feel of this movie really kind of influenced me because at the time I saw this movie, I was in college, I was studying art and design, 
and you know maybe not directly but now looking back at the work that I was doing you know a lot of the artwork I was doing was really kind of influenced by a lot of things but this movie you know really kind of stands out I was doing art projects where I was taking photographs of people with machinery kind of connected to them and stuff like that and a lot of that kind of came from this idea of man and machine interacting and you know it um so that was kind of like a real direct kind of connection that I had to it um the look of the movie you know is kind of dark um there's a lot of elements in it like the machines kind of look kind of um H.R. Giger-esque if you don't know who he is he's the artist that designed the alien and aliens and a lot of the artwork or a lot of the design work from the aliens movies um were inspired by him and um this movie was made by some really interesting directors the Wachowskis who um their previous movie Bound which is a really good kind of small indie movie had a lot of good visual effects in it but that's like a really kind of small movie about um two women that live in an apartment complex and they're trying to rob one of the women's husbands and um there's some lesbian love affair and stuff like that that's a great movie check that out and joe pantiliano being a bad guy because he can't escape being a bad guy he's been a good guy in a couple movies well he's been a good he was a good guy in the fugitive Mm. he's a good guy in another movie we're going to talk about in a few weeks yes but um anyway um i really liked how they filmed rain in this movie too yeah a lot of water and like sprinklers and like sprinklers in buildings and um and even some of the shots where um they're running up and down a stairwell you know Mm -hmm. like a very tall building so several several floors of staircase you know the staircase things like that there were some really really interesting shots and then of course any of the shots that involve buildings blowing up or glass shattering or bullet time yeah a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of slow motion um footage in this that is really neat and um they kind of started using that whole camera trick that um were and this was the first movie where you really kind of saw it prevalent where they were using a bunch of um still frame cameras in a circle around the actors that would all take like shots almost simultaneously so oh. they could do this kind of flip around the 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 action kind of kind of motion like it was stopped oh cool and um so anyway that was pretty cool um i think the other thing that really kind of influenced me uh, was just kind of the whole idea of the matrix and all these people are under control. And when I saw this movie, I was in college and I was young and optimistic about life. (laughs) And, and, you know, I didn't want to, you know, be part of the matrix or a drone and in any kind of way. And then I graduated college and got a job and all that kind of went to hell, but you know, that's just life. So, um, to kind of sum up, uh, we live in the matrix and um, we're attached to our phones all day now, and yeah. you know it's not that different than what was going on in 1999. And you know, pretty soon, people who have their Alexa and all that—who knows? Well, I remember um, when we were growing up because I think you were 20 when this came out. Yes. And 
I remember you having drawn on notebooks, um, there is no spoon. Yes. And I don't know if the spoon itself was melting or whatnot, but I remember seeing that more than once on things that you had. Mm-hmm. And, and when I rewatched this movie yesterday, I was so excited for that scene because I couldn't, re- I haven't seen this movie in easily 10 years. I've probably seen this movie maybe four or five times. This movie was the first movie I saw at Union City Theater. This is the big century theater that we all go to all the time. It's probably where I see a majority of my movies still all these years later. But The Matrix was the first movie I ever saw there because the theater had just opened. That was the first kind of stadium seating big theater that had opened up in this area. Yeah. Yeah. And... um, so I saw it when it came out, and I probably saw it a couple more times within a few years after it came out, and especially when the sequels came out, which um, I was looking that up again today, and I had forgotten that it was four years later that those sequels came out, and they both came out within six months of each other, which was kind of odd. Yeah, they, they filmed the sequels back-to-back, like it was one seamless thing. They actually filmed a bunch of it at the um, naval base in Alameda Mm -hmm. where they, if um, you've ever seen the sequels, which there's two sequels. There's the matrix reloaded and matrix revolutions. Um, Both of which are, they're not terrible movies. Matrix reloaded. I, I actually really like, Um, there's a lot of cool elements in that movie, a lot of different action, but there's a really long extended freeway chase scene that um, was actually filmed. They built kind of a, a loop that, you know, like a false freeway in a loop um, in Alameda in uh, here in California. And um, they filmed it there. So that was kind of, yeah. kind of a local kind of thing that was kind of neat for us. Yeah. Well, you were touching on this earlier, but I was just wondering how, you know, 20-year-old Matt adapted the philosophy of the Matrix in your life back then, and does any of that still pertain now? I mean, I think that the, you know, just this kind of concept, I mean, you know, people are listening to this on some sort of device, and we spend a lot of time kind of plugged in. Um, I mean, and I admit it, I'm on my phone way more than I probably would like to be. I should probably be spending more time doing a lot more important things in the, in the world. But, um, with our busy lives, you know, it's very kind of easy to be like, I've got this job, I have a kid, I'm married. I, you know, want to just kind of disappear for, you know, any kind of moment just so I can, you know, breathe. And, um, and I think that is a feeling that lots of people probably have. So having a device where you can kind of go into this other world or live your online kind of social life or, um, you know, there's people out there that that's just, that's the escape that they have. And, um, but for me personally, that is probably the closest thing I have to it. Now, I still really like the look and feel of this movie Mm -hmm. when it comes on, I'm always just kind of in awe of just kind of how it looks. I mean, and like Keanu Reeves is, you know, a great, I really like him as an actor. There's a lot of movies of his that I really like, whether he is, you know, Bill and Ted 
you know, and being in Johnny that, Utah. or you know, being yeah, Point Break, or um, he did an early movie that's really good called um, Permanent Record. Oh yeah, which um, where he is um, in high school and one of his best friends commits suicide, and that's pretty, you know, really kind of a deeper movie. And then he's in Parenthood, you know, yeah. he was in Parenthood, and then, but the, and then more recently, the John Wick movies, the act, you know, he kind of really pumped up the action in that and the first i've only actually seen admittedly the first john wick movie but it's a it's a good movie it's it's a lot of fun and you know but you know it's funny though is i actually when i think of keanu reeves i actually think about him as neo i mean i that kind of became kind of the iconic role for me Mm -hmm. i mean i know that you probably feel a little differently because nancy really liked keanu reeves growing up she had I'm pretty sure that was one of the many posters, posters that she had on, his, on her wall. Yeah. Point Break. I loved him from Point Break, but that shouldn't be a shock. Uh, you know, what? another thing that I found really interesting about this movie is, you know, maybe not right now, but maybe in even five or ten more years, anyone watching this movie who, like when, when your son watches it in a few mm-hmm. years, he's not going to know what a landline is. Oh, Landlines yeah. are going to seem like these very ancient inventions, and you know, just just, so, just for a little bit of background, one of the ways that when you are in the Matrix that they get you know the characters in and out or out of the Matrix is they dial, they call a, a phone. Nor- normally, it's a payphone or just a, a landline phone, and then the whoever's in the Matrix just picks up the phone, and then they disappear out of the Matrix yeah. back into the real world. Yeah. You know, so the landlines looking like relics, that was, you know, kind of a fun thought. But also, you know, because this movie predates widespread social media that we now have. Oh, yeah. You know, people can connect with strangers so easily right now. I mean, we could go online right now and connect with any number of strangers right now. No one nowadays would be surprised by a stranger contacting them and telling them to go follow the white rabbit. Like that wouldn't shock me. I mean, I'm sure someone would think that's weird, but it wouldn't be nearly as shocking as it was to Neo. I mean, Neo, I don't know even what kind of computer program that was. I didn't recognize the language he was using you know what, in the think, in the movie or if it was supposed to be something we were supposed to recognize. Well, I mean, but, if you're looking if you're thinking about, you know, the technology of 1999, I mean, you had AOL chat rooms yeah. and I mean, it was very kind of the beginning of, you yeah. know, you had people being able to to email and yeah. you know, some of the some of the very it what seems very basic very rudimentary <laughs> rudimentary yeah, nowadays yeah. but you know back then that was really advanced and um you know I, again i i just think that the um just the whole idea of the plugging in mm-hmm. and or as they, i think they say jacking in in the, in the movie mm-hmm. or anything like that you know is definitely kind of you know very still relative today um, and, and, you know, it's funny is um, in thinking about Keanu Reeves and the movies that where he does get plugged in, there's another movie that came out before The Matrix um, called Johnny Mnemonic, which is not a very good movie. But it has that same dark tone and this whole kind of – and he plugs something into his head. But it still has this kind of apocalyptic feel yeah. and everything, but the effects in that movie aren't as great and it's – 
not that good. Well, there was a movie that came out okay. earlier. There's a movie that came out earlier this year. I don't think you've seen it yet, but it does deal with these this kind of like virtual reality that I feel like is similar to what the Matrix presents as a Ready Player One. You know, it's all these people kind of plugging into this mm-hmm. virtual reality and playing this game. And I think it'd be interesting for you to watch that and maybe compare it to the Matrix one of these days. Okay. The only other thing I thought about for this, and we did touch upon it earlier, was just simply that poor Joe Pantoliano, like he just cannot get away from being a bad guy. Um, I mean, he, he yeah. just, just to spoil this, again, we're spoiling this whole movie, but he strikes a deal with the agents, Agent Smith, um, to get him out of the Matrix, to get him out of living in the real world. You know, he took the red pill. He wants to get re-implanted um, back into a pod or whatever he wants. And he is a huge giant traitor and kills <laughs> at least three people he in the ship, in the Nebuchadnezzar ship that they've been living yeah. on. And, and just in traditional stupid villain timing, he gets on the phone and he reveals his evil dark plans. And luckily because Neo really is the one he's uh, saved before a uh, cypher can pull the plug on him and kill him. I'd really but, liked, you know, I'd really curious you know he does play um he's a really good actor and he he does play the villain in a lot of different parts that he plays but um you know i don't know if he feels typecast in that or if he likes it or if he doesn't like it or whether it matters to him i'm sure he just likes doing his job um but um you know he's um definitely an actor that you know when you see him on screen you kind of almost suspect that he's going to turn you know stab someone in the back yeah just based on the roles that he's played so i almost wasn't even surprised in this movie when all of a sudden he was the guy that that (laughs) kind of turned on everybody (laughs) well he he has a um he doesn't have like a dark, menacing like Darth Vader voice. Like you know, he he seems like someone that's like, oh hey Trinity, how's it going? Like he just doesn't seem doesn't come off evil. And again, we're gonna talk about him in a movie in a few weeks where he's not evil. But again, I think maybe some of his most memorable roles he's evil between Goonies and this movie and Bound and even in The Sopranos. Like all these movies, all risky these- business. Oh, he was in that too. He was the. In Risky Business, he played the guy that um, was get, trying to get money from Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. See, yeah, <clears throat> evil Joe Pantoliano. But anyways, there were a few things that I was able to um, take away from this movie and try to compare to the next movie that we're going to talk about that were some similarities, believe it or not. The movie we're going to talk about... It, is Grease 2. You know, so the similarities between Grease 2 and The Matrix, which, again, are very silly and very shallow, but, again, I couldn't help myself. Grease 2, of course, is the, you know, reclaim the glory that was the original Grease. The original Grease came out in 78, and Grease 2 came out in 1982. There are motorcycles. <laughs> motorcycles are a very, very important role in Grease 2. And um, Carrie Moss, as Trinity, was a total badass, and she helped shape Neo to become the man he is, which leads us to um, 
Grease 2. So Grease 2 <laughs> is a period piece. It's supposed to be set in 1961, and the, you know, the, the continuity of it being a period piece slips in and out quite a bit. Um, but it's a musical. It opens with a very large gotta-go-back-to-school kind of number, and you get to meet all the cast. You know, you quickly meet... The Fish Out of Water, Michael Carrington, he's um, played by Maxwell Caulfield. He is supposed to be Sandy's cousin from the original Grease, played by Olivia Newton-John. He falls in love with Stephanie Zanoni immediately. I mean, and who wouldn't? Stephanie Zanoni is the first strong independent woman I ever saw in a movie. We, you know, we watch this movie on HBO all the time. Stephanie Zanoni, she has a ton of agency. The movie starts with... She had just ended a relationship with um, Johnny Nogarelli, this horrible jerk who is in charge of the T-Birds. He is supposed to be like a Danny, um, Z- Danny Zuko kind of equivalent, but nowhere near. You know, but even though she breaks up with him and leaving, you know, not being in a relationship with a T-Bird means that she can get kicked out of the group she's in, the Pink Ladies. You know, she knows herself well enough not to be a trophy or to just be someone's chick. You know, she wants something more. And in terms of the something more that she wants out of a guy, she wants a cool writer. She wants, you know, a mystery man, you know, a motorcycle guy or whatever. So anyways, this, you know, Michael Carrington, he again immediately falls in love with her, becomes obsessed with her and really pursues her. This is where the longer journey of the movie and very silly part of the movie kicks in. Once she reveals you need to have a motorcycle, you need to be really cool, he decides, okay, well, I'm going to become that man then. Bowling Alley is a very uh, popular social gathering area. And (laughs) after he has um, restored a bike, learned how to ride a motorcycle, and gotten a lot of leather to wear and very mysterious goggles and spray-painted his helmet black, you know, he shows up at the bowling alley and appears to be this really cool, badass guy. And, you know, it's very silly because, again, how do you not know who someone is just because they've got a pair of goggles on their face? But she doesn't know. As she becomes infatuated with this mystery man, she also is becoming friends with Michael on her own. He they, Again, they go to school together. He's very, very smart. He's helping her with English. Um, so they're kind of just forming a friendship on their own and at the very end you know or near the end of the movie you know stephanie thinks that you know michael has died like he jumps over this giant ravine at this like dead man's you know dead man's curve or whatever they're all sad everyone thinks oh my god he's dead but voila he turns up he was the mystery man this whole time and you know, he asks her, you know, were you ever, were you disappointed now to see that it's me? And he's like, no, she's like, no, are you kidding? I get two for the price of one. So she has fallen for both bookworm Michael and cool writer Michael. But, you know, I know it might seem weird to you guys. Why did I pick Grease 2 over the original Grease? Because I fully admit the original Grease is a far superior movie to Grease 2. But, you know, I did watch this movie a lot because we had HBO and we did have this as a dub on VHS, but also, you know, no offense, Olivia Newton-John, but Sandy is not a strong woman like Stephanie. You know, Sandy comes off as this fragile and weak, 
easily bullied girl. You know, the pink ladies are really mean to her. And, you know, I mean, they make a song, their whole, they have a whole song where they're picking on her, you know, this Look at Me, Sandra D song. And there's so many scenes in the original Grease where Sandy runs off crying because Danny or somebody else hurt her feelings, you know, and what is her big move to gain approval by the pink ladies and the T-Birds? It was to get sexy, wear skin-tight leather pants, and smoke at the carnival. Like, okay, that is so empowering, Sandy. Thank you so much. You know when Stephanie cried in Greece 2? There's one moment she cried. It's when she thinks that Michael died. <laughs> like, she thinks Michael died, and that's when she cried. You know, she's really tough. She doesn't shed tears through the whole movie. She's really tough. I mean, she works at an auto shop. She changes people's oil and pumps gas. You know, she's just not afraid to be herself. Like, she's not worried about fitting in. I mean, yeah, she wants to be with her friends. There are these pink ladies, and there's that code. But it doesn't mean that she can live a lie. And I think because she was so firmly knew who she was, that made me... There was something about her, you know, being a strong, strong woman that I identified, that I appreciated as a young kid watching this movie. I don't know. And again, a lot of Grease 2 isn't very memorable. I mean, there are a few songs that are very, very memorable. You know, the Who's That Guy song, Cool Rider, um, probably the opening song. You know, Grease 1 had far superior songs. I get it. But the Stephanie being so awesome <laughs> and it's like no kidding no kidding that you know stephanie played by michelle pfeiffer i'm not sure if i mentioned that earlier but it's no no wonder that michael fell so hard for her matt had to watch this movie a lot and we in fact just rewatched it together last week and it doesn't age very well i mean especially nowadays it's yeah yeah well my first comment mm-hmm. is this literally was probably a movie we fought over the VCR for. <laughs> <laughs> Very likely. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that at some point you wanted to watch this. I wanted to put Star Wars or something on and we fought over the VCR. Yeah. Mom had to break us up <clears throat> or something. Um, <clears throat> rewatching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a few things about this movie that really kind of stood out. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like to ask you a question. Sure. Do you remember the Pink Ladies Pledge? Because I know it now, because since we rewatched it a week ago, I can't get that song out of my head. <laughs> it's to look too cool, to act cool, and to be cool. Till death do us part, think pink. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you at least <laughs> have seen this movie enough to acknowledge that you would know that. Yeah. Because I can't get it out. Yeah, you probably can't get some of the other um, songs out of your head either. Well, like, the Cool Rider song is definitely, like, if Pat Benatar was making, was, like, she could totally sing that song. Yes. That was definitely, like, a Pat Benatar-style song. And then the other song that is, like, a really key point is Michael sings that, a song near the end called Charade. Yeah. Where he's kind of, like, struggling, like, I don't want to be this, like, mystery man i want to just be myself which is you know a much more positive kind of outlook i mean i think that you know i didn't even think about this but your comparison to sandy is actually pretty spot on i mean she she really was kind of 
this very much like, oh, I just want to fall in love. And it's not even that she wanted to fall in love. You know, she did. She she didn't really have a lot of empowerment at all. And whereas Michelle Pfeiffer does a great job playing Stephanie Zanoni in this, is mm-hmm. is I mean, and she so she did this movie right before Scarface, mm-hmm. and she was really early on in her career, and she really kind of did a good job in the, yeah. you know, playing this role. But um, this movie definitely has a lot of those kind of 80s cliche kinds of things with montages and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And on a personal level, you know, I could really see, like, watching you grow up, you know, especially when you were in high school. This movie, th- you know, granted, when we saw this movie, we were young. like yeah. Like, single-digit young. Yeah. And... There are themes in this movie that we should not have understood and probably didn't. And now watching it now, we're like, I can't believe I watched this movie. Yeah. I mean, the whole, hey, let's um, convince this girl to go into a bomb shelter, tell her that (laughs) the world is ending so we should have sex. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that probably is not something that a, like, four and six-year-old probably should have been watching. But it had songs in it. And at that point... at, at when you're that young, it could have been, you know, this movie or a Disney movie and it wouldn't have mattered. It had songs in it. Yeah. But um, back to what I was getting at is I remember when you were in high school, you had a leather jacket. And I was like, did it? I thought about it. I was like, did Stephanie Zanoni inspire Nancy to have a leather jacket? And then at one point she dated a guy with a motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, does yeah. did this kind of like you were living out your Stephanie Zanoni fantasy, for, <laughs> you know, fairly early on. Well, I mean, I remember, you know, to, you know, after this movie, I, you know, I thought, oh, my God, how cool would it be if my name could be Stephanie? Or like when I had the opportunity to name pets or Cabbage Patch Kid dolls or whatever, like I was naming them Stephanie because I liked that name so much. And, you know, again, not to disparage the original movie whatsoever because I love that movie. In fact, I had that leather jacket before my senior year of high school. And in my senior year of high school, we put on the production of Grease. Mm-hmm. And I got to be part of the ensemble, and I got to wear my, mo- le- my leather motorcycle jacket, which the choir teacher thought was the coolest thing ever. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like just Stephanie being a badass. You know, she just, she knew she had her faults. She knew she wasn't. She she struggled with school, which why which is why she was open to having um, Michael helping her with you know her Hamlet paper. But I mean, just she she wasn't gonna put up with crap. I mean, the scene at the bowling alley when you know supposedly the stupid T birds win, and you know Johnny wants you know some kisses from Paulette and then Stephanie. She's like, I ain't no one's trophy. And then he's like, oh, really, Miss Independent? And then she says, I'm going to kiss the next guy through that walks through the door. Of course, it ends up being Michael, which then sets him on, you know, a total spiral. But that's, you know, she's just not going to put up with crap. And that was, I really responded to that at a young age. And I kept that feeling for a long time. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> for those of you out there that, you know, are movie buffs. Um, the actor who plays Michael, I never, we never really see him in anything. And then he uh, pops up in a, for some, a brief moment in the movie Empire Records in the nineties. And, you know, other than that, 
you know, he wasn't very memorable, but I remember you, like, thinking that he was... The bee's knees. The bee's knees when you were little. Well, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> Michael and Stephanie, like, they cast it so perfect because the two of them were by far the most attractive people in the entire movie. And, you know, that's another thing. Like, Grease 2, it's like they knew to cast very, very, very attractive people for Mich- for Stephanie's role and Michael's role. Everyone else, eh. I don't know. The, pink lady, don't, the other pink eh. ladies were not that bad looking. Okay, well, you can speak more to that than I can, but the guys were big, dumb doofuses. I mean, you know, Adrian's I mean, Paulette uh, was Summer, and in their big old, like, season, you know, girl of all seasons kind of thing, and she was wearing next to nothing. I mean, that was... I know, and Johnny had a big problem with that and whatever. I I just mean overall. I mean, I think in the original Grease, there were probably more people that you could look at and be like, oh, yeah, maybe I identify. Like, that would be more my type. Grease 2, eh. Well, you I know. mean, if you <clears throat> one of the things that really kind of stood out to me about the original Grease was it did kind of touch on some adult themes that were really kind of like if you were a teenager and had to deal with this, I mean, the whole Rizzo having an abortion kind of thing, that was pretty intense. This movie, I don't think really touches on themes that important. Uh, not not really. I mean, you know, there's the threat of nuclear war. Yeah. But beyond that, yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, it was... And, and, and I do want to point out, um, compared to other movies in the 80s that um, became franchises, I'm thinking in particular of, like, Karate Kid and Revenge of the Nerds, Grease 2 really has a significant mark that's different from the original. And it's not just because it's not as good of a movie, but it didn't follow the same exact beats thing, you know, one thing after another. I mean, you know, the fact that Danny and Sandy had a summer romance and fell in love over the summer and then had to deal with, oh, now we're in the same school together. That is very, very different than Michael getting a giant crush on a girl that he had to pursue the entire school year. And then the whole you know, American Bandstand being the big centerpiece of the first movie versus, like, this talent show that they had to prepare for, which gave a reason for all these people to have to still talk to each other throughout the year, which sometimes I think in movies, especially where friends that maybe don't have things in common, you're kind of like, why are these idiots hanging out together? They don't like each other. Like, you know, having this talent show they're all working towards, it's like, oh, okay, well, they got to spend a certain amount of hours out, like extracurricular time together. Anyways, I feel like Grease 2 definitely makes its mark as a separate movie from the original. And you can watch them without ever having seen... You can watch Grease 2 without having seen the original because that's how we did. I don't yeah. remember ever. I don't remember ever seeing the first one until after. We no, saw we did not. Grease we two. saw Grease 2 because it was there and available, mm-hmm. and then it was like, oh, there's this other movie called Grease, and then we saw that. And I think the only connecting factor is um, there is one character, uh, Frenchie. Frenchie's the same, and um, the 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 gang leader on the other side, Balmudo, and. A lot of the teachers are the same. The co- the track coach and the principal and Blanche, the uh, assistant principal. Assistant principal. Those are the same, but really beyond that, there's you know not a lot of continuity with the characters. But that's fine. Yeah, and and this and Grease Two definitely has more of the. It kind of takes up from in the kind of early '80s raunchy kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. 
in in a sense that you know they have this whole song about reproduction that <laughs> is you know so really silly. uncomfortable <laughs> it's uncomfortable i mean there's just there's a lot of cringe worthy moments watching this movie that oh, i yeah. had and 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 to be honest you know when Nancy watched this as a kid, of course I watched it because what else was on? And, yeah. and you know, and it's what we did together. It's what we did together. So, you know, the whole premise of this show is basically the things that I got to see that I probably never would have seen if I didn't have an older sister. You know, this was one of those movies and I remember watching it. I remember the whole concept this time i do not remember what else was on the vhs tape me neither i i have no idea what was on the tape. i know we had a dub of it and we probably wore it out yeah it was one of those mid 80s early 80s like musical kind of movies like footloose and all those movies that were all around at that same time that were dealing with that same age group that they all were probably coming out you know around the same time in the in the theaters and um, we caught on to it. Yeah. I don't think the director of this movie ever really did a whole lot more after, though. Um, I'm not sure if the potential failure of Grease 2 kind of marked the director's uh, career moving forward. Well, there's not a Grease 3. There isn't a Grease 3. You are <laughs> correct. Uh, the, the Grease franchise ends uh, right there in uh, 1961, Rydell High. Yeah. <laughs> It it was an experience, and you know, it was actually really fun to revisit. I mean, simply because knowing how important it was to me growing up, and then rewatching it now, because I probably hadn't seen it in at least ten to fifteen years. And me longer. Oh, you much longer, probably since we were living together. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I can't imagine because it wouldn't be circulating on cable anymore, and. I wasn't bringing a DVD over of it anytime soon, so... Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's... I think we're ready to wrap it up for today, right? I think so. Um, before we go, I'd like, again, to ask any listeners who possibly have connections to um, the brother and sister duo of John and Joan Cusack to... Um, if you have any connections, you know, know someone that they know that they know that they know... Um, that could possibly let them know about this podcast and that we would be interested in having them as special guests um, on our next podcast or a future podcast. That would be great. Um, No pressure. No pressure. Um, And again, we'd like to thank all of our listeners. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, Subscribe to our YouTube channel or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and hopefully Google Play very soon. We appreciate any feedback we get. It's been a lot of fun um, hearing from our um, premier listeners from last week. So any feedback is really appreciated. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. This has been Fighting Over the VCR.